0: UFO
1: thinker Podcast. hello and welcome to the ufo thinker podcast my name is frank and let's get cracking so today we've got another guest on the show and um, we've got jacob carson who's the host of the stranger times podcast it was a really interesting chat Jacob being in a kind of similar position to myself, being a podcast host on this topic and being from the UK and whatnot, and we discussed all kinds of things, futurism, UFOs, different types of UFOs. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. So today I'm very pleased to have on the show Jacob Carson from the Stranger Times podcast. How are you today, man?
0: Hi, I'm I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. It's I was saying to you just before it started it's quite nice to uh do a, a usual time for us because usually we're always collaborating with people that are abroad and it's usually quite late but it's nice to be chatting to someone in the uk at a similar time
1: yeah man definitely makes things a bit more straightforward doesn't it
0: yeah 100%. like
1: I, like i was saying before we hit record i the the time difference thing always freaks me out man because like there's a few websites and things where you can get the the time differences but like some of them i think get a bit confused with the the you know, the daylight saving time yeah. and things that we have in the UK. So none of those worries today. So it's all good. Yeah. So so I know you from your great podcast, uh, Stranger Times, and also uh, The Infinite Void. Um, but for the listeners, would you like to just give a little bit of info on yourself and what got you interested in the UFO phenomenon in general?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I started off doing The Infinite Void first, and that was kind of just my curiosity into like the universe and the sciences, because I'm not sure why, but in school, I just wasn't that interested. I'm not sure if it's the way that it was taught or how it was done, but it just wasn't something that really like cropped up in my interest. I'd always been interested in like the planets and space, but I find with school, like with physics and stuff, they never really spoke about that unless you did like astronomy as like a course or something there so when I got a little bit older and I got a job like everybody does and I was at work and I was listening to like a lot of audiobooks and stuff like that I kind of just found this curiousness for science so I thought I'd make a podcast met a co-host guy called Matty who was a physicist and we just spent basically every week going through completely random topics like AI simulation theory the great filter space tourism and just kind of like wanted to learn more but then from that I also kind of discovered that we didn't have the answers to everything. And there was a lot of things that were still unexplained and were a mystery. And that's always kind of intrigued me because I'm not sure if it's like playing video games or whatever it is, but I quite like the idea of like cheat codes or like hacking reality or figuring Mm. out ways that we can find the key to everything. And I find that with like the UFO phenomena and high strangeness in general, I feel like it could solve a lot of humanity's problems. Not to be one of those people that's like, oh, technology is going to solve everything, but I feel like it has good merit and we're in a situation where a lot of things could go wrong. So I started Stranger Times basically to kind of do the similar thing with the infinite void. So just research into high strangeness and talking to people in the community that seem to know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, man. No, I really enjoy the podcast. I've not heard the Infinite Void. Um, I, I keep seeing it, you know, pop up on my Twitter and things, but I've not really had a chance to to delve into it. But the uh, the Stranger Times one, I've been I pretty much listened to every episode. I think you've had some great guests on and stuff, man. So yeah, I really enjoy it.
0: Well, I think uh, me and you, we have quite similar. Like podcast themes and ideas, don't we? With that stranger times and with UFO thinker, because I was looking through like some of your guests and stuff, and we've had very similar guests. We talk about very similar things, so I'm excited for today. It's it's always nice to chat to somebody about this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was thinking the same. That's why I wanted to chat to you because I think we're coming from a similar kind of place. Obviously, we're both from the UK. You know, neither of us are like you know researchers who've been doing this for decades or anything. You know, we're just kind of coming from a place of like you know interested in it and trying to get to the bottom of it and you know yeah it's 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 always good to chat to, to like-minded people I, th- I think something that you've mentioned on your podcast as well is that when you have an interest in these kind of topics it's like sometimes you can feel like you're, you're talking the ear off your friends and stuff who aren't really interested in it and they're sort of like looking at you like oh okay can we change the subject <laughs> so, so it's always great to be able to chat to people who are actually interested you know so, yeah, it's 100%. good. 100%. So, um, ha- have you uh, actually ever had a sighting yourself?
0: So, I personally haven't. I am, I'm super open to it, and I would like it to happen, and I'm sure we're going to be talking in a little bit about, like, CE5 and stuff, but I have been open, and I have tried to initiate it and stuff, but I personally haven't had a sighting. I've, I know a few people that have seen a couple of things, but I personally haven't, no
1: yeah yeah i'm I'm the same kind of I, i've had some things when i was younger which are like you know uh some strange dreams and and things mm-hmm. like that and uh that that kind of has got me interested in some of the consciousness side of things and and how all of that fits in with the the phenomenon in general but sadly never had a sighting but i've always wanted to you know like you say i've been very open to it particularly i've always had a craving to see a triangle man it just be yeah. it'd, it'd be so cool wouldn't it the black triangle thing but Sadly, nothing just yet.
0: No, but- that's that's interesting. You say that actually because um, I'm I'm quite similar. I've always had like interesting dreams or deja vu. Or as a child, I'd like find interest in something, and then something big would happen in my life. But it would be very similar to that interest, and it, I would kind of be like a little bit prepared or something, and I'd find it a little bit weird. Mm. But yeah, I'm 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 very much similar to you on like the whole consciousness side of things with it
1: yeah yeah something i've mentioned a bit as well is that i do um you know music stuff and i've played in bands and things over the years and um i was talking to james iron about this as well but the the thing of like when you're improvising with other musicians there's almost like a telepathy that you can tap into sort of thing yeah um,
0: 100 no, percent. that's it's really weird you say that too because um, i'm a bassist and i've played in a lot of bands so i 100 percent get what you mean by that like sometimes when you're like writing music or something, you can kind of just come together and just produce something and it comes from somewhere, but like nobody really knows, but everybody's just like locked in, ready to go.
1: Yeah, man, exactly. Ideas as well, like creativity and like imagination. I mean, I don't really have a clue. I'm not like a physicist or, you know, I don't really know how it works, but there's there's just something there. Like where do ideas actually come from? You know, like when you have an idea for a song or, again I was, I was talking about this on on recent episodes like when people pluck an idea out of nowhere where where is it where's it coming from you know is it, is it just like a sort of like a, an amalgamation of your past experiences and things that you know that you've that you've seen in the past that you kind of tweak into your own thing or do you pluck it from from somewhere in, in the future like it's, it's a it's a bizarre one isn't it
0: yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. And like, it kind of falls into that whole like argument as well of like free will and whether or not you've, you're actually making those decisions or if everything is kind of decided, but you feel like you're making those decisions and then purpose and all sorts. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's pretty... Pretty yeah,
1: fascinating stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, so do you have like a favorite UFO case? Is there is there any one particular case or a, a couple of cases that you find particularly intriguing?
0: So obviously I'd probably say Roswell has to be one in 1947 just because it's one of the main ones. It's probably the first like actual like documented one in like recent times. I know that there's loads of throughout history that people have seen things and there's been paintings and stuff like that. But I'd say Roswell because it's interesting with how like the government and everything changed their story where first they published in newspapers that it was a flying saucer and then they started changing their story to it being a weather balloon. So I've always found that quite interesting and I've been out on a holiday to America and we went and visited like the Roswell town and drove all through like white sands in Mexico and everything. And. It is eerie, and it has got like a really cool vibe, and it is very interesting, and the museum there and everything's really cool, like they've got all this stuff about it. So I've always been interested in the Roswell one. But then aside from that, I'd say my other two kind of like interesting ones are probably the Tehran one and the Phoenix Lights, mm. and the Tehran one just because, obviously, there's so much conflict. And if you're into like the idea of consciousness and everything with like emotion and all that kind of stuff too, I can imagine that there's also like a lot of pain in the Middle East and to have a UFO sighting in that region is quite interesting. Cause there's obviously a lot of nuclear testing. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. So I've always found like that side of things interesting with that one. And then with the Phoenix lights, I'm interested in whether or not it's man-made with that one. I find, like that whole story, fascinating, and the amount of people that saw it too—that's quite a a big one for me. Because obviously, it's different when like a whole city sees something in comparison to someone that's camping.
1: Mm. So, so with the Tehran one, um, it's it's not a case that I'm like really familiar with. I've I've heard um, a couple of episodes on somewhere in the skies with Ryan Sprague. I know it's one of his kind of favourite cases. Um, but do you do you reckon there's a possibility that? the the object was there as a result of like the intensity of human emotion in that area sort of thing.
0: I, I, think, I think it's a possibility. I know there's a big argument for like the nuclear theory and them always being near or like showing up when there's testing or around facilities and I can imagine that in that time there was probably nuclear stuff going on around there. and I don't mean like bombs being dropped or anything but testing or at least weaponry that was passing through. So there could be that argument, but I think it is interesting as well that something showed up in that region where there is also like a lot of pain and suffering too.
1: Mm. Yeah. I've been kind of developing this sort of like harebrained theory of, of my own, you know, with like, um, that, that these objects could be, uh, it was actually the podcast that just went out today, but it, it was about like, um, if, if like human consciousness continued to, you know, human consciousness and technology continue to develop in on the trajectory that they're going on at the moment, you know, we would eventually kind of become more and more merged with our technology. And yeah. is it is it possible that like we would send out like fleets of probes all across the universe to to gather you know information Uh, to me it kind of seems like it's fairly logical that eventually we're going to do that because we kind of already do it on a small scale so as things improve we'll be able to do it on a bigger scale and that possibly we'd start to actually seek experiences as well and it could be that the the probes that we're seeing if they are indeed probes i mean we have no idea really but you know it's all speculation yeah but if these things are actually probes they could actually be seeking out experiences of life forms and kind of harvesting those experiences to sort of feed them back to some kind of advanced civilization, some advanced consciousness somewhere else. It's just intriguing that you mentioned the, you know, the intensity of the the emotion yeah. and what was going on in that area.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think it's a that is a really interesting part of all of this because obviously – If you're like taking like a scientific approach and you were going to discuss like how two civilizations would actually interact with each other, it starts to become quite difficult because even with languages, there's a barrier. But if you can imagine that there's also a barrier with experiences, like you can't translate what a dog is to an extraterrestrial if they don't have dogs on their planet. Like there's going to be no word in their language for that, but our language would have been formed around certain words. And I've often thought that like, it would be incredibly difficult to talk to any species in the universe that wasn't human because obviously we can't even really talk to animals. Do you know what I mean? We can can understand their intentions by their behavior, but we can't sit down and have a conversation with like a whale or something like that. And I often think that with all this kind of stuff, it would probably make sense for it to be conscious based because it's just true intention. And there would probably be, like a translation in there where you would just understand their feelings. And I think you're probably right somewhere with it being with the idea that they would send stuff out searching more so for like conscious intent and feeling because it's honest. And I think that's another thing that is interesting about humans is because we chose to go down that uh, route of like physically talking. It allowed for like trust and mistrust and lying. And I think that's probably something that, has affected our species on like a conscious level. If we're looking at the entire universe and if there is any beings out there that aren't like truly consciously evolved, because it must be really interesting to see how we communicate with each other, but then also see that our true intents aren't that, Mm. and it's, I I find that interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole thing of being able to see what, what somebody's kind of true intent actually is like, um, without the barrier of of actually having to communicate with with language you know like yeah. if you imagine like Neuralink, the path that, that that's going along you know yeah. sooner sooner or later that technology would potentially allow you to be able to just you know without speaking be able to actually just see what somebody else is seeing directly sort of like hack into their consciousness and yeah um yeah obviously all speculative but interesting to think about eh?
0: yeah no it is it is
1: so um yeah so you mentioned earlier about uh, CE five and sort of human-initiated contact and consciousness and how it all relates to the the phenomenon. So that's um, another area that I've been looking into a lot recently. So, what are your thoughts on on all of that?
0: So, I got first introduced to it uh, back in like the Stephen Gray documentaries. So at first, I wasn't completely sure about it, but once I started doing research, I think sometimes like the brand CE five will get a bad name because of some of the people promoting it. But from my own personal kind of like research, I would say that there's definitely something there. I think there's a connection. There's been too many things discussed about like conscious integration with technology. And I'm a firm believer that there's probably two routes that like an intelligent, I don't know, being can go down and it's probably like materialistic or like completely metaphysical or like spiritual and I, or conscious based. And I think that you can probably achieve the same result either going through the materialistic technology way, or you could probably achieve the same result going through like a conscious technology way. And I think with these cases, it would just make sense because if you were going to take the approach of like a highly advanced species out there, they probably would use consciousness as like a navigation system because Like, I can't remember who it said, but it's one of the famous engineers in one of the American aerospace companies. But he was talking about the idea of, like, that all points in space and time are connected. And I can imagine that because the universe is always moving and the planets are always rotating, like, it'd be quite hard to develop a map of the universe. But I can imagine that there probably is a technology that can, like, seek out signals of consciousness or something. In the far future, this is obviously speculative. Mm. So I I can... totally get behind the idea that things out there would be using that to search for things. And then I can then understand why people have good experiences with CE5 and how people have seen things. I've tried it a couple of times and I haven't. And I've often thought maybe my intent wasn't right or I was with the wrong people or just wrong place, wrong time. But there definitely seems to be something in it. And it's kind of tied to that whole idea of like, contact modalities and i think it's the same with like the ufo phenomenon i think it's all very similar i think the idea of like paranormal stuff and remote viewing and like c5 like initiating contact and all that stuff i think it there's something to all of that and i think that there's something there but i personally haven't managed to manifest anything from it yet
1: yeah no it's i've been when I first got into the whole, you know, UFO topic, I really got into it because I think like most people are quite interested when you're younger, like you know, when you're in your sort of like early teens or whatever, you know. But then you get a bit older and like life kicks in and you have to get a job and you just focus on other practicalities and things. And yeah. I, like the Nimitz um, cases and TTSa coming out a few years ago so really got me back into it. But I hadn't even considered the consciousness part of it and C five and everything like that. It just seemed like way too far out there for me at first but the more you dig into the topic the more you realize that there's a lot of you know credible people within the topic who seem to put a lot of weight into that side of things eh? and i've done a lot of um well not a lot but i've done some experiments recently on actually trying my own ce 5 stuff with uh, unfortunately no results yet at the moment it's kind of like made me realize that when you look up in the skies there's a lot of things going on flying around up there satellites and you know yeah comets and stuff like that and it's hard to kind of um to to the, the waters are quite muddy aren't they when you look on twitter and things like that as to what's genuine but there's there's definitely something to it i think because there's some interesting footage have you seen the ones where like the objects like change course and things like that
0: yeah yeah, no, I, I, I'd I agree with you. I've, I've seen lots of cool stuff of it online with like the objects changing course or like they shine like a light and it seems to be reactive to it. And obviously there's been some cool photos that people have put out. And as well, like when there's a group of people experience, experiencing something, it's like very interesting because it's quite hard to make the argument that like five people or 10 people are all hallucinating the same hallucination. But one thing that I will say that is interesting about like the whole UFO phenomenon, I think that connects to consciousness is like this idea that it seems to represent itself as whatever the viewer can comprehend or the observer can comprehend. And like, if you like look throughout history, how they used to report like chariots on fire or like dragons in the sky and stuff like that. It seems to be like these things, even though those technologies wouldn't be able to traverse the stars, they appeared that way to people that could comprehend a chariot or probably were talking about the myth and legend of a dragon. And you see in like the 50s, like the 40s and 50s and 60s, where all these flying saucer kind of appearances start happening. And... It's like still a similar time where sci-fi is being introduced and the idea of other planets and aliens for the first time. And it just seems to kind of match whatever people can comprehend at the time. And it's also interesting at sightings where people see and experience different things or like you get the occasional like sighting or report where somebody sees something on a motorway, but nobody else saw it. And then you could make the argument that is it only being visible to that person's like person's consciousness and nobody else's and then that's getting into like a weird argument then of like dimensions and what's visible and all that kind of stuff but i think that part's interesting about it
1: yeah no definitely that that's something that um that i've been trying to get my head around i mean there's a lot to get your head around isn't there really in this this topic in general but like the whole thing of of multiple people witnessing the same thing but describing something slightly different and or even just like you know the concept of if like five people have seen the same sighting then you know does that mean that it really existed or is it possibility that the consciousnesses kind of link up in some way and can experience the same thing that's not actually a physical thing but then also on the same side of things as well if you experience something like that mentally like is that any less real than it would be if it was actually physically there do you know what i mean yeah it's like you mentioned about video games earlier. And funnily enough, I was actually thinking about this the last couple of days. It's like um, Red Dead Redemption, for example. I don't know if you've ever played that particular yeah. game. So it's like if I talk about like a certain mountain or something in Red Dead Redemption and I've seen like a beautiful sunset or something like that, it makes you feel a certain way seeing a beautiful sunset. Yeah. And if I'm riding along on horseback in that game seeing a sunset, it kind of triggers certain things in your consciousness that makes you feel like you've actually seen a sunset yeah so like maybe you actually have seen a sunset you know is it any less real than if you actually went to see a real sunset
0: yeah no one 100% that uh, and it that is quite similar as well to like dreaming too isn't it with just the mm-hmm. idea that when you go there in your dream like you kind of are aware sometimes that it's a dream. Sometimes you don't, but like it feels real. And that to me in, like is really interesting because how can you like your consciousness play a game or have a dream, but it feel as real as the experience that you experience? Like when you really get into a game, it feels like you're there. Mm-hmm. And if you're having a nightmare, like it genuinely feels like you're there. Mm-hmm. And is, is your consciousness like literally creating that reality for you to experience or Is it there and you just tap into it when you go to sleep or when you play a game, you trick your brain into thinking it's there. But then like the other question is then is like, how do you know that this is reality? Do you know what I mean? If there's dreams and if you can play a game and it feel real, like there's so many things you could go down the argument of it being like simulation theory and we're just an NPC of somebody else's game. Like we're just background characters, but we've managed to become sentient or something.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's like like I was saying before about Neuralink and stuff like that. You know, the way technology is going, you know, with Neuralink and stuff. Imagine how video games are going to be in the future. Like, it seems inevitable. I mean, that's one of the arguments, isn't it, for simulation theories that the path we're on, if inevitably at some point, whether it's fifty or a hundred years, thousand years down the line, video games are going to be, you know, indistinguishable from reality. So, what's to say that we're not actually in one right now? You know.
0: But
1: yeah, yeah it's, I don't have any answers on it, but it's definitely interesting to think about.
0: Yeah. And um, one one thing I do want to say on that quickly, because I, I heard a really cool thing on YouTube and it's like changed the way that I was thinking about it. And someone was describing like, if you can imagine like the game Sims, now there's only one life form on Sims and it's the Sim, but there's multiple copies. And you could apply that to the UFO phenomenon as one of the sims from another copy figured out how to jump to this copy. So we, every universe, there's only one life form, but this one sim managed to figure out through the internet, how to get onto somebody else's copy. If you want to go down like multiverse theory and stuff, and it's showing up in our thing, and somebody was talking about that. I was like, that's a really cool idea. That's quite a, a good way of like understanding, like a multiverse or like dem- dimensional theory.
1: Yeah, man, pretty intense. <laughs> That's food for thought, definitely. Yeah. yeah, crazy. But yeah, so moving on then. So earlier we were talking a little bit about um, different shape, you know, UFOs, mm. and one of the things that the that seems to be the most common, I think, really with C five as well, is is orbs. But then you've also got like the cube inside of a sphere. We've got the the saucers, tic tacs, triangle boomerang and even lou elizondo was talking recently about a huge black island thing coming out of the sea so those are kind of in size order do you have any thoughts on the possible differences between the different objects and do you think there may be different purposes depending on the size category or maybe they have a different origin do you have any thoughts on that side of things
0: yeah i have a little bit so I think in the case of orbs, I think it could be like any of the ships or like UFOs, but I think it's more so of like a phasing in or out mode and especially tied to like um, like consciousness and CE5, because they do get manifested there quite a lot. And I can imagine if you were searching for that and somebody was doing it, you could maybe phase in a little bit or out without it being like a full transition to here. So I've often thought that maybe with orbs, it could be like a saucer or a triangle or any of the kind of shapes, but it's just kind of half in its phase or half in its movement before it becomes like fully materialist, like fully material. But then in regards to saucers and triangles, I'm not sure with the saucer. I've always kind of felt that maybe that was like, I I definitely feel that that one's piloted. I feel like maybe it was like the first piloted like scout vehicle or something like the mark one if you will or something like that that was probably being used because then i feel with the triangle it's probably more so like autonomous it's it feels like it's a scouting vehicle from what like people have discussed like i think christopher mellon talked about it a little bit didn't he how it it's it's shown a lot of evidence to be like scouting certain like military bases out and maybe it could be used to be like with sonar mapping, like the planet's surface or its seabeds, because there's also seems to be a link with them coming in and out of the sea. But I'm not, I'm not too sure on the, uh, the, the bigger ones. What what are your kind of thoughts on the, on the motherships, if you will?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, there's, there's part of it where it could just purely be that, that all of these objects are something that humans just can't, you know, a human being's consciousness is just not really capable of, of understanding it. So you just see it as whatever makes the most sense to your particular consciousness, kind of like we talked about earlier on. Yeah. Um, or it could be, if you wanted to think of them as actually like nuts and bolts crafts and stuff, then each one of them could literally be like a, a, a craft that has been made for a purpose. Yeah. Um, but i've I've not really got any any clue to be honest i think the one that freaks me out the most is the triangle it's the one that i don't know what it is about those black triangles man but it just really the one i want to see as well but like at the same time it's it's the most ominous to me or maybe the the black island coming out of the sea is, is is up there as well in terms of the scariest um but it's interesting because a lot of people that see them don't really say that they feel fear as well so it's like again do they actually interact with any consciousness in the nearby area to sort of like calm calm things down and yeah. make, make sure that people don't panic i don't know but i i, I would i would think that the bigger ones are p- possibly like um sort of a mothership type thing and then the smaller ones are sensors for the yeah. the smaller ones i i think i've heard a few people mentioning about the you know like in the the nimitz incident with the the tic-tac that there was the possibility that that was linked to the you know the white water disturbance under the actual yeah. ocean that there could have been something bigger down there and then the actual um the smaller object was um you know a probe or was relating some information back to that yeah. possibly so that's kind of about as close as i can get at the moment to uh, to understanding any of the purposes behind them
0: i'd be i'd be interested actually because i, d- I don't know the answer to this but just thinking now since you were like talking about scales and water and stuff. I wonder if um, maybe the bigger ones have been here like a lot longer kind of thing because with all of the little ones that kind of show up or they phase in and out and stuff, like I can understand they're hard to track and or maybe they're easy to track and we track all of them, but it's not publicly known or whatever it is. But I can imagine with like the bigger ones, if you just manifested something like the size of a football field under the sea, we probably would notice like the water move kind of step Yeah. So, so if we're not noticing that and we're not seeing something massive coming into the atmosphere and going into the ocean, like you could maybe make the argument that it's been there for a while and that the little ones like you're saying are like sensors that come and go from it or little pilot ones for tourist aliens or something.
1: Mm. Yeah. There's actually, there was an article, um, I think it only came out yesterday or something like that. It was um, a guy called Rob Pliskin. I'm pretty sure I've got his name right there, but uh, I may have not. Um, but he was saying that because uh, the other thing with the Nimitz incident is that uh, Kevin Day, you know, the the radar operator, yeah. um, he he was saying that he'd see like a V formation of objects traveling like fairly slowly, uh, quite a long distance, and that actually one of the objects that was that uh, was the actual one that. Was intercepted by um, Dave Fravor and so on. Was one of those objects, and it was like it seemed to be. This is what was talked about in that article as well. They seemed to be on some kind of mission to do something. So they were they were moving along in a V formation, very slowly. And then when they were disturbed by the pilot trying to to get to one of them, it kind of broke from its whatever it was doing, yeah. zipped around a little bit, and sort of like evaded them. And then it went as soon as it was able to, it went back to its initial position carrying on whatever it was already doing before so possibly like there's some kind of v formation of these tic tac objects and they're all communicating with the big thing that's under the water maybe who knows man but like maybe the um some kind of data gathering from the the v shape objects you know the the formation of of, uh, of objects that's gathering information and feeding it back to the the big one under the sea
0: yeah, no, I, I I could get behind that. And I think as well, like the way that the TikTok, uh, TikTok <laughs> behaved, it, it, it's very much like it is an AI or an algorithm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it has its purpose. And then when something goes wrong, it's like evade, 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 back to doing what its purpose is again. Because like if it had have been something, I think like sentient piloting it, you probably wouldn't have seen that so much. I might be wrong. Who knows? But I, I do. I, I do think that there is something in it with the smaller ones being either like reconnaissance vehicles or like so, like sensors or something.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one as well. the The concept of whether or not there's actually anything biological in the objects, because again, it's like if you think about again, I keep going on about Neuralink, but I think it's a fairly huge development in terms of yeah. human technology if if it actually you know comes to fruition but if if it does and your consciousness can basically interact with technology seamlessly you know you could basically pilot a drone with your own mind mm. and experience the audio and visual feedback from the drone yeah so in that situation it wouldn't make sense for you to just like go and actually fly a drone physically because there's a lot more danger there to your biological body isn't there so yeah if it is kind of inevitable that we get to that point when we send out, you know, ships and stuff like that to experience things, probably make more sense to do it without your biological body on board, wouldn't it? And you'd think perhaps that, like, if there are aliens out there that have managed to do the same thing, that that that's the path that they'd go down. Yeah, could they could just have like a dormant biological body sat in a facility somewhere, and all of these objects, whatever they are, are, are exploring things and experiencing things like on behalf of the biological body
0: or something. Yeah. No, I, 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 could get behind that. I think, I think all of that kind of stuff is very interesting because it, it's starting to go down like the route, then, isn't it, of like brains in a jar or like hive minds of being able <coughs> to experience things? Because you could take the like materialistic approach, and we could do it now, where you could send a robot to Mars, maybe like one of those Boston Dynamic ones that can like run and do flips, and just have it VR controlled back here on Earth. If you put that VR headset on, and it feels like you're walking on Mars and it would solve. I can imagine millions and billions of dollars in testing because you don't have to make sure that health and safety is okay for a human. And if you were going to take that approach with consciousness and it is thousands of years in the future, and there is technologies that allow you to like interface with technology just through consciousness or different technologies like Neuralink, then you, yeah, totally it would, it make sense to do it that way, wouldn't it? Because it would also kind of ensure your species survival too because you could kind of just send them out yeah yeah definitely
1: who knows man who knows but we'll we'll see how things unfold won't we over the, the coming years yeah hopefully sure. so yeah um on to some uh some other bits then so crop circles I've, i think i've seen you you tweeting a little bit about uh crop circles recently and i've also been looking for some good like information and documentaries and stuff but there's no, doesn't really seem to be that much good info out there so just wondering like if you've had any luck finding any good info or documentaries and and also why do you think crop circles are not discussed more
0: so i think i think the reason probably why they're not discussed as much as they could be is I think there's obviously a lot of stigma surrounding them because in the past we have had people come out and try to debunk how they can be made. And there probably is merit in that. And there's probably people out there that are very good at making fake crop circles, but I think what is interesting about some of like more real cases and incidents is that there seems to be certain like energy signatures there with like EMF recorders and stuff like that. And as we were kind of talking earlier about this idea of communicating with species and stuff, like in the science world, it's very much about maybe the universal language of the universe is math, for instance, or like geometry, because you can explain to a species, what planet you are from the sun by drawing it with circles or lines in to like, actually trying to say something to them if they couldn't understand you. And something that I'm quite curious about is when you look at crop circles, they're obviously. Like geometric patterns. And I, I often wonder, maybe this might be really like primitive and human of me to think, but they could either be knowledge that they're giving to us, or if they're surveying us, maybe it could be like a QR code. And they're literally just stamping the planet being like, this is where the ley line energy line is uh this is the kind of species that is there and then when another species or craft or something comes through they don't really have to do anything they can kind of just scan it yeah <laughs> but he, he I, i'm not sure i'm i'm, I'm super interested and i'm like you i haven't managed to find like much either new age stuff or like solid stuff I've, i've seen a couple of documentaries on like history and on youtube but i am i am really interested in them because i think there is something there and it's what we would do too do you know what i mean if we were traversing the stars and we made a rule that we wouldn't get involved with civilizations or interfere with them we might give subtle hints and be like well it's up to them if they decipher that kind of thing so i'm not sure but one other interesting thing that i've seen a little bit on reddit and i'm not sure who's come up with it i think it It might be quite like a a new idea, but there's this whole thing, isn't there with like dimensions and how, if you look at like 4d shapes and stuff like a tesseract, which is like a cube inside of a cube and how it's expanding out of itself and stuff. And there's an argument that the universe is the same and that's why we're in a motion of expansion and all this kind of stuff, then when you cast 4d if you cast light on a 4d object, it has a shadow of a 3d object. And I'm often thinking that maybe when these craft are traveling here or they're above the cropped circle or whatever it is, maybe when they're in their transition period and they're see through when lights coming through it, it's projecting like an energy signature of the 4g like shape on the floor. But I don't know how true that is, but I'm interested in that at the moment. Cause I think there could be something there. Yeah, that that's
1: definitely an interesting one. I have kind of thought of similar things in the past. Like obviously the 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 one possibility is that well, I guess first of all you've got to say there's some that are fake. So that's that's for yeah. sure a possibility. Uh, it's possible that they're all fake, but then you've also got the possibility of of actual messages being left there with information entangled in them, sort of thing. Yeah. But but then like you were saying there, I was thinking there could be a possibility that they're actually extracting some kind of energy yeah. energy from the earth or some kind of you know there may be like a, that might just be a point where they would um you know extract some kind of magnetic energy or even information or something from yeah. you know fr- from the earth and and the actual shape is just actually a, a byproduct like have you ever seen where the where videos on youtube and things where they put like a, a a layer of like a sheet over the top of a speaker and then play sound frequencies through it and it forms yes. like depending on the the actual frequency because they come up with some unbelievable shapes don't they the, the patterns evolved
0: yes and-, and actually it's it's interesting that you're saying that too because that was something i was thinking that because like maybe if it is anti-gravity technology that's actually what's pushing down on the crop like on the crops instead of like you're saying with the grains of sand bouncing on the speaker and forming the pattern Maybe the gravity is pushing down on the floor. And if there was nothing there, there would be nothing. But because it's over a crop or on grass or on something that can have an impression, that's what's appearing. That's that. Yeah, I, I could totally get behind something like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. But then I guess the, the, the kind of counter to my own kind of argument would be that, like, why would they do that when where there's a crop? You know, yeah. when they could they could probably just do it over a forest or something and it would be a lot less noticeable. But, like, maybe they actually, whatever process it is that is creating the crop circle as a byproduct, it would do that anywhere, but they decide to do it there as some kind of a hint. Or, yeah. who knows, man, maybe they've even got, like, a sense of humor and they're just doing it to mess with us, you know? Yeah.
0: Or or maybe they, they don't even care kind of thing. Maybe, because, like, maybe the anthill outside my house is, like, why did that giant put that leaf there? This must have so much purpose, and I didn't. I accidentally kicked it there. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. maybe they, maybe it does they don't even care, kind of thing, and they're just doing their thing and marking it.
1: Yeah, or, or perhaps they do do it in other places as well, but we only see it in crop fields because, yeah. like a crop, a crop, like a field of one crop, like a, a mono crop or whatever they call it, is is something that doesn't exist in nature. So perhaps these things actually are happening yeah. all across the globe but we only actually get to see them in this unnatural kind of like environment that we've created by just having corn in a field or whatever but yeah man but so have you, have you found any like um
0: documentaries or anything that that, that you've seen to do um, with crop circles not any that i can like bring a name to but I've, I've seen like videos where people kind of go out to them and check them out with the MF recorders and stuff but I haven't seen like any ones that I can think of off the top of my head
1: yeah they the only one i've been able to find really like i say i'm really surprised that people don't talk about crop circles more it perhaps is just because of like uh the fact that there has been some known fakes so it yeah. kind of it taints it doesn't it it's a yeah. bit like it's a bit like that with uh c5 and stuff as well there has been some obvious fakes and i think it puts a lot of people off looking into it deeper when there may actually be something there but there's um i forget the name of the the, the website but there's a like a i think it's a husband and wife duo from the uk that like log all the crop circles and go to them with a drone and take photography of it and stuff and then they produce a book every year of all the the crop circles that year and i was going to buy it but it's a bit expensive so i'm saving the (laughs) saving me pennies and i'll probably end up getting one at some point but but yeah anyway so um futurism is kind of something that i've recently realized that i'm I'm quite interested in and i think it touches on a little bit of what you talk about on on your podcast as well yeah i didn't even really know it was a thing until i started the podcast and then i realized that i was spending because my podcast a lot of it's just me and i just end up speculating about the future and stuff i was like oh yeah wow i'm actually quite into this stuff and um so do you have any thoughts and predictions as to where humans will be in say 10, 50, 100, 1,000 years time, like just in general and also related to the phenomenon?
0: Yeah, so um, little shout out to the Infinite Void. We're currently doing a, a series on humanity of the future. So this is a great question. But um, yeah, I think first of all, it kind of depends on the transparency with the government and if we get a full disclosure because I think both outcomes obviously are vastly different because there's crazy technologies involved but i think if we say that we don't really get a full disclosure for some time and it's it's a uh, like 50 to 100 years away i would probably make a prediction that in 10 years humanity would have definitely transitioned to sustainable energies because we kind of have to i know there's a lot of talk at the moment with it being 2050 but i think that's going to have to change with the way that everything's going. So I'd say that's probably in 10 years, we've probably transitioned to sustainable energies and we'll be starting all of our like space missions. Because I know we've got the Artemis one going to the moon and SpaceX want to go to Mars with their SpaceX rockets and Starship. But then 50 years, I'd say humanity's definitely established on the moon, possibly Mars. I reckon quantum computers are probably being rolled out at tech facilities that need them. I don't, I don't think the public have one. Yeah. I don't think everybody has like a quantum desktop, but I think they will be definitely within use. And I think in regards to the Carter Jeff scale, we'll probably hit one then, and we'll, there'll be a rollout of artificial intelligence as well, but maybe not on the terms where people think like terminator, but I think it will be probably running quite a lot of the economy and there will be UBI will probably be getting discussed quite a lot and most things will be autonomous by then but then my favorite two is definitely a hundred years and a thousand years i'd say in a hundred years it's definitely the era of like transhumanism i think we'll be you'll be seeing people having like robotic proper robotic prosthetics that connect like via a neural link or something that feels like the exact thing even though it's not i think uh, we'll hit two on the car scale. So we'll be like fully going on at least two planets. I think by then Mars will probably have a bit of a colony or maybe even a city depending on how far they get it. And I think we'll be looking into the ideas of like exploring all the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. So like Titan, Europa and Io and all of those. And then a thousand years, it's always a bit of a weird one to like try and speculate on because so much can change like I've said all of this and literally we could get solar flared in a week and that be the end of humanity. <laughs> but I think if everything went our way and we managed to solve a lot of problems, and I think definitely within a thousand years, we'll know for sure if what the UFO phenomenon is. I think by then we'll probably be on a similar level to what we're experiencing and seeing. I think there'll be interstellar travel. I think we'll be looking outside of our solar system and maybe even going there whether or not it's like you were saying with transporting our consciousness to places, but I think we'll be doing that. I think we'll be scouting for life on other planets, like the UFO phenomena is and I think we'll be going there and investigating kind of like what level they're at, what they're doing. And I think probably life by then, depending on where our morals and ethics go would probably be able to go on forever if you want it to, but I think maybe discoveries and spirituality and going down the high strangeness route might show that maybe the afterlife is a significant part in all of this and we might decide not to live forever who knows but i think that's probably where it'd go what what, what about you what are your what are your kind of thoughts in the future
1: well it's it's a it's a big question isn't it but yeah like you say when you when you start talking about a thousand years or or like even like further than that like imagine like a million years down the line it's just so unrecognizable that that it's difficult to actually make any predictions isn't it because it's like some new technology could come out in 50 or 100 years which completely changes everything to the point where you know things after that would just be outside of what we can even get our head rounds at all yeah but like i was thinking about this the other day with the I was watching a video recently about the evolution of driving games, computer games, yeah. and the ones that were basically around about the year 2000, like were just so like shocking. It's just like little pixels on a screen, like terrible yeah. eight bit sound effects and stuff. And uh, and then obviously the, if you fast forward to now and the, the graphics and the sound effects are absolutely amazing. I've been trying to figure out like, is that gonna continue? Because surely like it can't keep getting the steps can't be as big because we're so close to like, things being ultra realistic already. You're like, I can't really imagine how things are gonna keep getting better on on the same graph curve, if you get what I mean. So like in yeah. ten or ten or twenty years, what a computer game's gonna be like at that point, you know?
0: Yeah. Hard to imagine. I, th- I think I think that's an interesting point as well, because that's something that I'm massively interested in. Um, it's called, there's like an idea that's called like the great filler. I'm I'm sure you've probably heard of what that is, but what interests me in that is like, yeah, like if the universe is so big and you can't, and we haven't seen anyone technically, like we haven't actually seen a being, I know the UFO phenomenon is a different thing, but like we haven't actually seen and spoken to a life from another planet yet. And like, so it's like, where is everybody kind of thing? And you can see, with our own technology that like maybe there is no point expanding out there because you can just create something digital that is better than reality. And everybody just go and live in that because it's like, you're saying games are getting so much better. And I hate the argument when people always go, yeah, but you really think all that stuff's going to happen in like a hundred years. Like look at the last hundred years, not loads has changed. And it's like, okay, maybe, not loads has changed but we're also living in like the technological boom do you know what i mean and like the last 50 years has been exponential and like now everybody i know this is like a cop out because everybody uses it but like the idea that everybody's smartphone is as powerful as what nasa used to get people to the moon do you know what i mean like Mm. it's there and what's that going to be like in another 50 years well we won't even really be able to imagine it because our parents certainly couldn't foresee that we were going to grow up in the world that we grew up in Do you know what i mean it's been so different so yeah it's it's, it's one of those weird ones because you don't know where it could go but it could also lead to the answers on why we haven't found anybody yet because it's definitely within the realms of human endeavor to create something better than the current situation and maybe everybody just want to opt into that instead
1: yeah there's just the whole um the whole thing that i first First heard Joe Rogan talking about as well of that like you know humans basically are the the caterpillar stage of like you know eventually giving birth to artificial intelligence and things like that and are we just going to be at that point are we going to be just irrelevant and artificial intelligence just takes over and becomes the new thing like when you see you know a bird making a nest it just instinctively knows to make a nest doesn't it it's like and maybe humans are just instinctively going about our business to constantly innovate because the thing that we're inevitably going to do is create artificial intelligence and then there's the whole thing of like are we even going to be a thing in 50 years or a hundred years. Cause as yeah. soon as we reach that point of artificial intelligence being, you know, the, the sing- singularity or, or whatever they yeah. call it, you know, are we just going to be like Terminator two style where, you know, we just get wiped out overnight and things. And yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I often think about that because, um, a fun, a fun, well, it's not really a fun, it's quite a sad idea that I've, I've had in my head recently, but I've, I've often thought that like, say if we were doing like what we, some people consider the UFO phenomenon to be where like, maybe we would send an AI to go and scout out a star system or something for us. If we did it with like conventional technology, it would take thousands of years for it to get there. And maybe in that journey, it will have obviously made upgrades to itself, uh, reproduced itself. There would be new versions of it, but maybe like the seventh generation of this AI would get to that planet and not actually fully remember where it came from but then also have the answers to the universe like living matter does because it can't really remember where it came from or who created it, but it's, it knows its mission is to go and search for other life. And I've often thought about that recently, like, cause the universe is so big. Like, how are we going to solve that one? Like if, if say, if we, we do go and colonize the entire universe, like how do you send a message from one end of the universe to the other without it taking billions of years because of like the speed of light. And I know there's this whole idea between like quantum entanglement and consciousness, and maybe that is like the full way to go, but they do seem like hard problems. Do you know what I mean? Like they're it's so uncomprehendable almost like it's just crazy. It's just so big. Yeah, that's
1: the thing, man. And it's like I say, when you're talking about, um, you know, where humans will be in a thousand years or a million years, it's just so far from what we consider to be reality now that it's just impossible to actually get any kind of a clear idea of what that'll be. But that's the thing. Like, I suppose in 10 years or 50 years, you know, that's a bit more, you can kind of imagine it, you know. I I think probably in in 10 years, maybe we'll have, you know, some kind of Neuralink technology, and you know the the computing power that we have will hopefully allow us to get to a bit more answers on what's actually going on with the ufo phenomenon and hopefully i i'm hopeful that in 10 years we'll have at least some kind of part disclosure a bit more honesty from governments as to what we can actually you know what they actually understand about the phenomenon things like that that that's kind of the main thing that i'm hoping for in the in the near future
0: yeah no i i agree i i really do hope that we get disclosure in my lifetime. I not that might sound like really egotistic, but I would just love to know in my lifetime if if it if it's a real or not. It would it would be really good.
1: Yeah, no, that's it, man. Exactly. And and that's the thing, isn't it? The ten and fifty years ones, the kind of like at least we're hopefully anyway going to be here to see those ones. Whereas yeah. the, the hundred or a thousand years are more fascinating in a way because it's we're never going to see it and it's hard to even contemplate what it might be mm. but yeah man I think that's basically about all we've got time for so um it's been a really fun chat man thanks for coming on the show
0: yeah thank thank you for having me you uh I've been following your show for a little bit now and you as I said before you discuss some really good topics and it's been a pleasure to come on and we'll definitely get you on my show in the future too
1: oh yeah man that'd be a lot of fun
0: so yeah thank you for having me yeah great stuff
1: thanks again. I'll speak to you soon. So I hope you've enjoyed the episode there today. And um, if you want to get hold of me, I'm on Twitter at UFO Thinker. So feel free to share your thoughts on what we've been discussing there today. And you can also get hold of uh, Jacob at the Stranger Times podcast uh, on Twitter, and that's actually at Strange Times Pod. Uh, on twitter if you want to uh, go check that out definitely recommend having a listen to the podcast as well it's one that i always regularly check up on some great guests on there so that's all we've got time for for now so until next time take it easy stay curious and look after yourselves
0: you <laughs>